Just a few film nerds breaking out of the rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're measuring flicks Hello everyone, welcome to Measuring Flicks, I'm Carl Hartley And I'm Max Peterson, and we are joined in the studio today by special guest and patron, David Rowney Hello both of you, how are you doing? Well, thank you. On That's the, a very pleasant greeting on, in the morning. On the second intro, he got even more British. He did. I loved it. <laughs> even I should go even more British as you we know go what? along. I, I, I just want to hire Dave to say good morning to me every morning. Right? Just right. to make your alarm. Uh, be like, good morning. I'm like, oh, oh, it is, isn't it? <laughs> that would be the withnal. <laughs> Spoilers for what we're talking about. So it's appropriate that we have uh, David on the show because we scrapped an entire month of programming specifically for for just for this, this for man you, and David. for this. I'm so touched. It's mostly for this first movie, yeah. honestly. Like, so uh, originally, Carl and I have been going through and doing like the dine-ins, drive-ins, diners and dives, yep. like uh, low rent mm-hmm. drive-in movies. And we, I was January was going to be okay. It was our weakest month for programming. It was it was just like the most obscure drive-ins we could find. They were all guaranteed to be a lot of bad. stuff that's been done by like MST3K, like giant Gila monster kind of stuff. Right? Yeah. So, okay. but I, we were both kind of feeling like we were getting a little sweet in the tooth. It was getting a little saccharine. We're getting a little we like hadn't, we hadn't had to wrestle with anything. No, it's since, been, which is great. We've mm-hmm. had a lot of fun, but. God, God bless you for bringing <laughs> oh. for bringing this particular flick to us. You've been wanting us to watch this for about oh, it's one a of my season, right? Yeah, it's probably one of my top five movies. Um, it, it wa- spoilers, <laughs> one of mine now too. It is so that uh, we we decided to retheme them. Well, here's what happened. Right. Uh, David had just been trying to get us all together to mm-hmm. hang out for a long mm-hmm. time. We've we've run into each other in passing, but we never spent an evening together or having having fun. No quality time. No, so. He invited us over, and we we head over to his house. And obviously, what do you do when you took our pants off? <laughs> First thing, like when you get on the podcast, yes. you come in the door. I shake yes. your hand. You take your pants off. We Absolutely. do an episode. Yes, but uh, so we go over there, and there's phenomenal wine, and there's oh, yeah. crispy phenomenal wings. And what? Well, let's watch a movie. Oh, okay. What movie do you want to watch? And then you guys started talking about with Nail and I. Have you ever seen it before? This is my. I saw it. I realized. When we started talking about what the movie was about, and you had the drinking game yeah. list that you showed yeah. us, the drinking yeah. game terrified and the, me. The drinking game list, where I'm like, lighter fluid. Wait a fucking second. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have seen this movie, but any of you that have listened to our Leaving Las Vegas episode know that when I was in Baltimore, things were a little hairy, and that's when I watched with Nil and I for mm-hmm. the first time, and, and I was and pretty did. much drinking along with them and actually making them look like a bunch of. Pussies. And as you know, <laughs> so. lighter fluid is a far superior drink to meth. It is. It is. They can't afford it. Yeah. Wankers can't afford it. <laughs> oh, I believe But yeah, but I have very little memory of actually having seen it. So we watched what we talked about. Here's what we're talking about today. And then let me explain how much this movie has changed my fucking life. Today we are talking about 1986-1987's With Nail and I. It was 86 UK release and an okay. 87 US release. It's di- written and directed by Bruce Robinson, starring Richard E. Grant in his first role. Mind blown, dude. It's incredible. Isn't yeah, it? isn't that crazy? <laughs> Paul McGann, Richard Griffiths, and Ralph Brown as maybe the show, not the show stealer, but one of the strongest characters ever, Danny the drug dealer. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. So, With Nail and I. I sit down in in David's. Hold on one second, really quick. 
can I talk about the weed? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I just never know. No, no, I just want to make sure. It's like I can make that decision for me, but I don't right. want to throw anyone else under the bus. So not only was there wine and wings. It's, it's legal now, Max. It's okay. It is. It it's is. no different to having a glass of wine. There was also some face-melting glasses of wine <laughs> <laughs> that happened out in the garage. Um, I believe you said at one point somewhere when I somewhere around like Venus, you were like, "Yeah, that's Snoop Dogg's favorite weed," and yeah. I was like, "I can un- yeah. like, yeah. oh shit, I can yeah. understand." Crack. Yeah, Max is losing a, um, sorry, Carl's losing a lung. Yep, yep. <laughs> I smoke about once every quarter, right? And it's usually with me in my backyard. But yep. so yeah, so Carl's on the ground, and I'm I'm desperately <laughs> trying to keep my trench coat around me for protection. <laughs> Trying to look, br- trying to look London tough. Oh, Max, totally. You pulled off the peaky blind <laughs> trying to, when you arrived. Trying to like, look like is. a rude boy. Yeah. So, and then we went inside and we sat down and we started watching this movie called With Nail and I. And from the first wailing saxophone oh, score to the credits, my brain was continuously rewired. Yeah. And I mean, look, let me say this right now. If you've got time to watch this a couple times, High as Balls is a great way to experience this the first time. And since then, I've seen this movie six times. (laughs) Since I watched it at your house, I watched it six times, and I watched it again last night, the first time I took notes on it. This movie is absolutely incredible. I think the next day, I got on Facebook with Carl I was like, Carl, can can we just f- say like, can we tell January to fuck all the way and off? I was like, I'm so happy you're messaging me right now because I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> because if there are any more movies even remotely close to this, what else can we do? Let's like, we need to talk about this movie on the show. And the it, the search for more movies got us in touch with <laughs> David again. We're <laughs> like, it's like, well, I'll have to have a couple. Of- <laughs> That's not actually what you sound like at all. I really Thank hope. Yeah, yeah. I hope you keep doing that for the rest of the show. <laughs> no, probably not. Um, I like Dave. <coughs> no, oh, so please, you can. So we basically said, "Look, David, we'll, we're gonna can we we're gonna call the month Anarchy in the UK." I only had one request. I wanted to watch With Nail and I again mm-hmm. to talk about it. Yeah, and I wanted to watch Sid and Nancy. Because it's the cinematographer's Roger Deakins, mm-hmm. and it's got Gary Oldman in it, and I know a lot of weird trivia about how how spoilers. I feel like it doesn't have Gary Oldman in it. It's strange, Isn't it shocking. It's unfucking mm-hmm. believable. But that's well, for well, next. That's time. for next. Yeah, week. yeah, that's for next time. So th- those are my only two requests. And then I said, uh, David, will you pick? You can curate the month and guest host every episode. I just want more British films that are going to blow my fucking mind. <laughs> So, and he came correct so far. So, so far, hope so, so far. Well, yeah. Still just with Mill and I. So, <laughs> so far, one hundred percent, David. Good. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad yeah. I pulled that one off. So <laughs> you, you actually have. You're gonna as you as we go through the month. You're gonna take us through decade by decade, right? What the way oh, it worked you were going out was for the, it. The, the I got cold. title. <laughs> the title you gave me, Anarchy in the UK, kind of lent me down a certain route. Mm-hmm. In that the the four movies that we're watching, I think number one, it. They're all very raw in terms of the way they, the way British TV and film is made. It seems to be a little bit more. We're not afraid to just film in a room and let yeah. the room echo, right. right? So you get a lot of that through all four of these movies. They're very just kind of gritty, and they're also. It just so happens that when I thought about it, it does go. We skip uh, the nineties. Because I was a teenager, I was there. Nothing really happened. Right, right. 
Um, <laughs> the nineties in the in the US were fun, but yeah. yes, yeah. Well, in we the UK, we kind kids, of had John guys, Major, who yeah. had grey skin as the prime minister, <laughs> and then we got Tony Blair, and everything was feel good. And then, right. and then it was the end of the decade. Was and we it were like all a rom com romp in the nineties? Was that what was happening? Um, you know what? I don't. I, I cannot think. Well, no. Here's the thing. There was a couple of really good movies, and I can obviously share that to you a lot more mm-hmm. um, as we go along. But I wanted to stick with kind of a theme of following some anarchy, like Love the it. rebels. Right, mm-hmm. right. And so you've got the With No One Eye. That's a 60s kind of end of an era. These are out-of-work actors. It takes place in 69, I believe. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. like 90 days from the end of the decade, because... Danny says Danny that, says right? That. He's right. talking about we're at the end of an era. In the most beautiful monologue. Right. Wigs or Which is one of, one of about 100 in the whole film, right? Yeah, it's only like the int- every line of dialogue. Yeah, they just, <laughs> let, they just let them go. <laughs> they just let them talk. Um, but then Sid and Nancy is the 70s, obviously. Right. Um, key moment, the end of punk, in a way. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was surprised by how much these movies was, uh, resonate with each other. Mm. Sid and Nancy, that's right? in the it's middle kinda... of, the, of the punk era ending because they've already sold out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, too, like in a big way. And what, anyway, anyways, and then yeah. uh, and then I don't know if you want me to talk yeah, about we, the next two. We can, as well. Why yeah. don't we preview the whole month? Absolutely. We've never done a curated month before, so let's get a picture of it at the All top. Right. Well, so. then you move on to this is England, and this is England is set in 1983, during a time that you know Thatcher is now taking out the cult, the the the, the worker strikes mm-hmm. and. Everyone's kind of being hit hard, and it's the end of the the true skinhead era. Yeah, before it got taken over by the the radical right, the right. extremists, you know, white supremacists, mm. and so you see a kind of the clash there, and that's set in the north. Not and then, the band, but the clash of the, but also the clash. Yeah, yeah. you can see that somewhere in the, yeah. song. I think it's in the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. um, and then finally, the the final one is 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 was a real twist one it was attack the block now that's john Boyega's debut movie right mm. um and then you've got jodie whittaker in it so you've got someone from a galaxy far far away and the doctor that's incredible <laughs> yeah oh my god <laughs> and then you've got nick frost in it as well but that's that's a london street movie right with mm. and aliens. that's got a bit of a sci-fi <laughs> yeah very cool um i so i have actually not seen well, I've now seen these two, but I haven't seen either This Is England or Attack the Block. Question. When mm. I was doing my IMDb search on This Is England, there are two different versions. There's an 84 and an 85, We cleared I it up, think? I think, in the, okay. um, I must have in the Facebook the message. There was, okay. There's two of them, and I, I was like, is this the one? And uh, okay. if there there hasn't been any remakes, right? No, what they did was, is Sean Meadows, when he finished directing that, they went and then produced a series uh, of television shows. Okay. And they follow... That's what um, football tournaments so okay. you get the after this one you get um which is you get this is england 86 okay. which is on prime right um and that's a tv show of like five episodes but gotcha. it starts immediately at the end of the movie gotcha. so Sometimes you see I like when they do that yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's really cool because it took a couple of years to get going <laughs> and so you know makes sense that the, the opening scene of this is england 86 on the prime it um what's the word it it's as if he shot a scene that was never used in the movie, okay. and that's how he opens up the new series. Wow! So <laughs> it's but then you jump three years, right? Okay, you know, so so it, it, it connects it and then mm-hmm. moves on. Yeah, that's okay. really cool. And then we had an eighty-eight, like and we had a ninety as well. This is England. Yeah, right. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> um, all right, so. We have a full month of British films coming up. We've got David Rowney on for all of them. All of them. 
So we we get more legitimate. We get to talk about British films with a British with accent. With a British person. <laughs> I'll try and do all of the accents. As Dude, well. yeah. Take us. <laughs> oh, Danny's accent. Take us. Favorite. Take us all the way you from Birmingham to London. Did you guys? Horrible, Danny. Bef- I guess before we get all into like the the actual notes proper, did I, I watched I watched my Criterion edition on my Criterion channel. Please, I give just us got it. Thank you. Finally, I pimp you so hard all the time. <laughs> There's something very special about having an iPad on your lap, 5:30 in the morning with headphones in, on my little recliner with my UK blanket. It's the UK telephone booth. It's not the no, TARDIS, it's, no, it's, it's the red, red one. Don't right. you feel like you're accomplishing something I, every time you watch a Criterion? Film? Oh well, yeah. It's just any time like, <laughs> that logo comes up, I'm like, oh, I'm doing art things. Yeah, you're, yes, it's, you're not you're not watching a movie in your living room at 5:30. You're observing. You're uh, you're taking notes on a film. Yeah. It was, but it was but it was kind of the crazy thing though. With uh, I've never really watched a movie in that way. I usually watch it on my television or laptop or computer. Mm. But having the little iPad propped up on a pillow, with my little blankie and my coffee, and the lights are off and no one else is awake, and it's just a private like viewing mm-hmm. experience. Mm. Fuck man, that's my favorite. That's way to what watch I mean. I had my had my pen all poised and ready on the notebook, and forty five minutes in the movie goes by. I'm like, oh yeah, I should probably take a note. Fuck it, I'm having too much. Yeah, just, just like, like wow. drawn back in again. I actually man. had the opposite problem. I had to stop myself. You can see my first couple of notes are like many lines long. Yeah. I was just writing word for word all the all dialogue. The dialogue. Yeah, it's almost get, like you can get into the habit of just quoting, can't you? Yeah. Oh my god. That's part of the fun thing about the show is we like to write down the quip. Oh, that line was great. Write it but down. this movie is when nothing the entire but script is perfect. <laughs> yes, like, fuck! I just wrote out the screenplay. Uh, I mean, dude, even throwaway lines like "I wept in butcher shops as a child." Like you, you could write down yeah, every I've word out of yes. everyone's mouth, and just that would be the show. It us just be reading the script to Withnail and I. But I, I watched that you have I done mean, some okay. some back research. I watched the, the little mini documentary yep. they have mm-hmm. and uh, an interview with Paul Feige about the like the the historical importance of the film. And I, my two big takeaways were Richard E. Grant and Bruce Robinson do not seem to like each other at all. Two, Bruce Robinson's kind of an asshole. Oh, the writer-director? The writer-director. Yeah, I got that sense from his interviews that he was, <laughs> and he has a glass of wine and a smug face. <laughs> just, he's kind of, a, kind of an asshole. He, uh, yeah, he just, he doesn't. He doesn't really come across very well in interviews, and he seems to attack his cast pretty hard a lot of the time. And he seems to take credit for other people's work. Like, well, one of the first things he says in his interview is like, "Well, it was shot like shit, but the writing was really good." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you watched the same one I yeah, did. Yeah, sure did. I'm yeah, like, yeah, wow. Yeah, it was really, like, oh, who released it? Was like, oh, you're yeah, the writer. Yeah. You're an asshole. <laughs> yeah. The one, the one that bothered me was saying like, uh, uh, well, Richard, Richard E. Grant, which mm-hmm. this will become important as we talk about this movie. The the actor who plays with now is allergic to alcohol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's allergic. You can believe that when you he's allergic the movie. to oh fucking gosh. alcohol, <laughs> and to 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 Robinson's credit, he gives uh, G- Richard E. Grant a lot of credit for his performance being drunk. But even though he's allergic to alcohol, he forced Richard E. Grant to get hammered drunk one time. So he knew what it was mm-hmm. like. So he knew oh, what it was man. like. And he also makes these... It out- feels like dying is what yeah. it feels like. Remember <laughs> this. Remember <laughs> this. Remember <laughs> this. Which in a weird, which in a weird way is kind of weirdly beautiful. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. it's that crazy artist thing yeah. where he's like, he's he's blacking out and he's covered in puke and, yeah. and, and, Bruce, on, and, and on Robin's... On one occasion, I need you to go method. Yeah. yeah. And he's, he's like, and he's like, no, rem- yeah, but I love that. I, the, 
um, Paul McGann who plays I, the the character's name is Marwood, but it's never said in the film. Mm-hmm. But he plays Marwood, and he tells the story of of Grant getting hammered, and he was basically like. You know, he's like, I don't look, maybe I'm just myth making at this point, but it was kind of crazy watching Richard E. Grant slip into unconsciousness as Bruce Robinson repeated over and over into his face. Remember this. (laughs) Remember this. (laughs) Um, And then the other thing that I wanted to bring up right away is the main producer on this film, because you and I always like to flog this horse. The main producer on this film tried to shut shooting down on day three. Mm -hmm. I think it was not funny. No, he's like, this isn't funny. So we're gonna. We're he wanted to shoot everything brightly lit, and he wanted Richard E. Grant to act like uh, someone from a Monty Python sketch, where his notes. Oh, be more like Python. Be All more. Right. Be more this like movie Python. Suck. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. He was like, this isn't funny. This is garbage. Well, it may have been. It may still have been funny, but it would have been in a totally other Flash category. In the yeah. It um, forgotten about. Yeah. No, I don't think it would have worked because so much of what makes this movie work is its unflinching darkness. Like, sure, it w- works on that level. Dude, but one of the greatest moments in this work too. But that is what I'm saying. This would be a totally different. Yeah, yeah. Like you can't pull off a lot of the writing. This would be Austin this, Powers. And no, that. it would have been rewritten. Is mm-hmm. what it would have been. Because well, yeah, dude, when when Withnail when they're driving along and Withnail is just totally asshole, mm-hmm. and they drive oh, past they drive past the uh, the uh, what is it the accident black zone or whatever. Yeah, they're throwing themselves. Yeah. <laughs> These aren't accidents. They're throwing themselves in the streets. What is it? Right after that, he's like, he's like, uh, they're throwing themselves in the streets to escape this hideous world. And he leans out the window and he goes, throw yourself into the street, darling. You haven't got a chance. Yes. And it wouldn't. I'm trying to drive this car as quiet as possible. Dude, he's screaming out the fucking window. But like, that would have been gone because that is. That is like as dark as it fucking gets. Is is like they're all they're everyone in England is committing suicide. Actually, the, one of the opening shots is uh, is when Marwood is. I'll just keep calling him Marwood because I need a Fair name enough, for him. Yeah. yeah. When Marwood is sitting oh, in the I. in the tea shop under their apartment, mm-hmm. and he's just oh, like thirteen million Londoners have to wake up to this every morning. Yeah, he's having <laughs> existential crisis. It's just fucking is, so bleak. <laughs> to me, that is one of the most beautiful moments of editing as well because you go from that eloquent saxophone playing wider shade of pale and it cuts so harshly to the frying of the egg yeah yeah and i think you guys were probably a little bit kind of Ugh. i was because no, i'm a london boy i was like oh but that tastes so good yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she so, gets, you get that noise when she bites <laughs> into it yeah, like yeah. There's some and all the noises. and all the yolk just burps out the yeah. back onto the plate two pieces of untoasted Just white, white bread, bread. Yeah, buttered as well it's got to be buttered we butter all of our sandwiches yes. <laughs> as well big nice clump of butter mm, and go yep grass fed butter that's that. what we should do next time if we ever watch this movie again we'll all we'll what do you mean if when when next we watch yeah. this film together we'll on all, our we'll all start with some fried egg sandwiches <laughs> <laughs> our twice yeah. our yeah. twice <laughs> yearly watching of with Neil and i it's time oh my god all right so let's let's go right right to zero let's go right to the top this movie opens and you get you get the briefest because that's the structure of the song. Mm-hmm. I like how many times this movie allows you to listen to most of a song too. Mm-hmm. It's pretty rad. It's not yeah, they're not afraid to play like a big chunk of really popular mm-hmm. music for you. All along the watchtower goes at least halfway through. But we get this like really brief little like drum bit and some murmuring voices and you're not sure what's happening. And then you open on saxophone and Marwood's face. And one of the things I want to talk about as we go through this movie, I kept I start I noted that I was writing the same word over and over again. Mm-hmm. 
iconic and yeah. icon. Mm-hmm. This is one of this movie is just loaded to the gills with iconic shots, iconic tableaus. I, I don't I disagree with Bruce Robinson that it's shot like shit. Oh, too. I, as soon as he said that, I was like, no, I disagree. Completely. It's this is really well shot, and a lot of the 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 shot structure, the way that things are framed and and put into tension with each other. There's well, well you have in. the boiling kettle with them having a drug panic attack in the background while saxophone. That's a incredible shot and it's the first thing you see it uses depth it uses light and dark really well and it sets up a lot of things that are really beautiful visual metaphors the first one being the boiling kettle mm-hmm. you know he it's immediately forgets about yeah, yeah which is great the, calf, right? uh-huh. <laughs> the thing that i love about this opening if you don't know what this movie is about and you hear that saxophone and you see someone clutching their chest i'm like oh someone just broke up with them is this a love mm-hmm. like until you realize and look around the room and put the pieces together, like, oh no, he's having some sort of other issue. The, he is so fucking. He is high. so fucking high. <laughs> the opening to me, which I absolutely love, because again, like people really nail the only the only maybe lightly off note is near the end when Withnail gets really high and he's just like cackling on the floor on all fours. Mm-hmm. I've been like like frighteningly high and I've never hit hit my knees and cackled like mm-hmm. that but like for the most part when people get too high in this movie mm-hmm. which I love that every time that Marwood smokes weed he has a panic attack yes. which is perfectly in character because my thumbs have gone <laughs> weird <laughs> but like his uh like his that's perfectly in line with mm-hmm. we, we, his is the only voiceover cuz he's our POV character mm-hmm. all of his voiceover is really anxious and anxiety written I I mean I fuck asses. Who fucks asses? <laughs> Maybe he Maybe fucks asses. It's just like he's he's constantly like freaking the fuck out. And yes. we've all I'm sure we've mm-hmm. all even sat down voice, and smoked with someone even who's his too voice uptight over to do. is panicked. Like yeah. it's so yeah. incredible. Yeah, you add weed to that mix and you've got a built you've got an automatic anxiety yep. attack. But I I reacted differently to the in, to the intro. I still do every time I see this. It's to me and I'll talk about this when we get to Sid and Nancy too. I'm not digging into any content because the saxophone is so overwhelming in a way, it, which is perfect because Marwood is being overwhelmed by what we're not sure until we mm-hmm. realize how devastatingly high he is. But like the the intro that the the they have the score cranked so fucking loud you can barely hear him moving around the apartment. Mm-hmm. The saxophone is all, and it's so oppressively so oppressively loud and it's saxophone which you never hear just like a screeching almost Mm -hmm. it's a wailing saxophone parts of this to me aren't necessarily about the content or the message or or what is going on it's just a tone or a feel or it's a it's a vibe Mm -hmm. this movie captures a a feeling so perfectly in its intro i think this might be my favorite opening scene ever Hmm. in anything Honestly, and it's, it's a big statement. Yeah, it is. it is. And I'm I'm saying that like I've I've for years I've I still say that Pulp Fiction's probably my favorite film. Right. You know, it was the first grown up type mm-hmm. movie I ever saw, and it was so different that it blew me away. I've always loved that opening sequence. I got absolutely obsessed with that in the nineties. It's inc- yeah. it's inc- my first job in London. I was working at a market research company, and for one for one week, we actually took some time and put all of the scenes in chronological order. Holy shit. <laughs> we like posting notes. This happens in this episode. That's but incredible. it's that one. And so we were just moving them around on a wall because, you know, you work for a market research company in London. There's 
got what else to do. <laughs> right, so, yeah, so, yeah. It's not like you should be working, earning your money, you know. Right, right, right. And then we went to lunch. We've and done it. Come back. We've <laughs> done it. We've figured it out. We yeah. have it. We have the order of yes. pulp fiction. One of the let's I, go have a drink. Yes, <laughs> down to the pub. One of the things I actually really like that. One of the things that one of the early lessons I learned about film was watching this movie. I don't know why people give it so much shit, but people this this movie Memento. Mm-hmm. Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, three times in the same day. Uh, it's Christopher Nolan, right? Yeah, man. It's one of Christopher Nolan's. It's first. the second one after Following. Yeah, or yeah, no, yeah, following. yeah. Following. Yep. Um, so everyone, I don't know. People love to shit on Memento, which I don't understand. It's a, it's a good. I like Memento a lot, but there, I, I remember Sammy Jenkins. I got a DVD that had a special feature yep. where you could flip the order and watch it the right way around, and. I, it's not good that way. Mm-hmm. Well, you know too much. Yeah. Well, so that I think that they did that on purpose. A mm-hmm. lot. Well, one of the big complaints was it was too confusing. So that's why they did that on the right. disc. But it's actually for a film student, it's really enlightening because it shows you how how structure matters. Taking a plot A to B or and A to Z. Mm-hmm isn't always the most interesting way to tell a story. Mm. And that that's why, like, I like that you guys reordered Pulp Fiction, but that immediately reminded me of, like, the, oh, yeah, you sometimes you can't. It wouldn't have been the same movie. You're right. Oh, no. no the same no. situation. Yeah, like, I, I love the fact that by the end, of, we're not talking about Pulp Fiction, we will someday, but I love by the end of the movie, we're getting scenes with John Travolta, and we already know that John Travolta's mm. dead. Yeah, yeah. So, like, the, the last scene takes on a new poignancy when mm-hmm. you realize that he's, not alive. You're watching a ghost at that point. Yeah, Yeah. it's Mm -hmm. really kind of beautiful. So, but with Withnail and I, man, (laughs) we get no dialogue for, I think, it's like three minutes. We Mm -hmm. we get these beautiful tracking shots of the the most fucked apartment (laughs) you've ever seen. It's It's just... pretty gross, man. It's just piles of everything you can imagine and there's shit just like taped and tacked and nailed to the walls and there's it's, matter in the sink. It's, it's incredible. Matter? Matter? Was it coming? Don't look. Don't look. I'm dealing with it. But, yes, um, yes, the gloves. Don't do anything without the gloves. <laughs> so he, we see Marwood freaking out, clutching his chest to this wailing saxophone. And the, the apartment's fully dark because all the, wind, all the, the curtains are, closed, are drawn. Yeah, it doesn't matter what time like of day yep. and, it, and it's just... That that oppressive sax, the oppressively dark apartment, the unbelievable clutter, the f- the the flame in the front, and as the kettle starts to boil, he starts to boil in the background, and I don't know what any of it means, mm-hmm. and it's so beautiful that it beats me into submission every time I see it. Every Incredible. time I see it, six times in a month now, and it's every time. I, c- I watch this movie and I never blink. I never look away. It's fucking incredible. It goes down to the... Uh, is you it? hear Withnell first, don't you? Because he knocks yeah. on the door and asks I'm if he wants a cup of tea. I'm going for tea. Do you want tea, Withnell? No. Do you want tea, Withnell? <laughs> it's, so, it's so strange. No. It's just like, God, that guy is He's in, really, he's in trouble. He's just asking <laughs> someone if they want tea is yeah. such a struggle for him. Yeah, yeah. Do you want tea, Withnell? Uh, yeah, the... the well, uh, first of all, the 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 utter lacon, the utterly laconic no, no through the door, and also like the like okay, I have to like you see how much it took out of him to even say the sentence. Do you want tea with no? <laughs> now he has to say it again, and you see him like climb up the hill a little, and he's like, okay, I can do this, <laughs> can one, do more this one more time. Do you want tea with no? <laughs> no. <laughs> and then, dude, that's they they. It's so well cut. Because as he turns, saxophone swells, 
and then it's card. Yeah. And then you get this front. London, nineteen sixty nine, and then yeah, hard cut. It's a hard cut. Mm-hmm. It's in in technical terms. I don't know if this is even. I think it would be called a, like a a smash J cut because a J cut is when because you, you're getting the sound. It's when you prelap right. audio, but with a smash cut, you cut from from one specific tone to the opposite tone. Dude, it's amazing. It goes. It's like. Awesome, mm-hmm. and it is the yes. I will fully admit in America, <laughs> dude. I'm looking at a pan that's like three inches. That's of probably like, got it's some lard in it. There. Yeah, there's a lot of lard uh, in there. It's, it's just, the 60s. You got that oil slick look on mm-hmm. top, and the eggs. One of the eggs yep. is broken, and the rest of them are. Just, they, when the fried egg is essentially deep frying. Yeah, you know, <laughs> deep you know frying there's egg. a shed load of lard. God, that sounds delicious. <laughs> And you know that oil that is sitting on the top the of the white oil from like that morning, oh, from yeah, yesterday morning, yeah, from yesterday fried. morning. That if you never turn so the stove eggs. off, you don't have to change the oil. That's right. Or even if you do, it just congeals and then you reheat it and it turns and back I, into. Yeah. I love the newspapers. Oil. Every newspaper is like one boy's one boy's magical sex change. It's yeah. like I had to become a woman to be in love, <laughs> and then he he looks away from his headline to another headline. And it's like the other guy's headline is like, uh, uh, like, uh, lady boy, and the in and every headline is different, but they're all about all the same. men turning into women. And, and then you look at the lady, yeah, who's eating the fried egg, and you're like, yeah, she could pull off being a man. That yeah. could be a lady boy. That could be the person it's, they're it's talking a, about, dude. It's a it's a really subtle, mm. <laughs> subtle kind of cut where. Everything is shifting and nothing is certain and everyone is in between states. We talk about liminal states a lot on this show. Oh, yeah. And, dude, this... Well, first of all, this whole movie is one giant transitional state from utter stagnation, which we see at the beginning, and hilariously, to transformation at the end, which is so agonizingly painful. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So, and now we're introduced to Marwood's voiceover, which is awesome because it... (laughs) Look, I as an outside observer who has occasionally seen London mo- uh, uh, British films and specifically stuff set in London, there seems to be a sort of kind of bleak cynicism to a lot of it where everyone's just like, woke up this morning, every day is grey and bleak and I fucking hate it here. Fucking well, rains all the that, fucking time. That's about right. <laughs> <laughs> I think because, um, you know, we're... The, the country is overcast for 80% of the year. Right. Uh, there's a stand-up comedian, I'm not going to plagiarize, a stand-up comedian, Bill Bailey, who says, um, because of because we're overcast for 80% of the year, we're imbibed with a keen sense of melancholy, <laughs> just just by nature, you know. Yeah, what is? I mean, it comes with a little bit of old old world European wisdom as well, I guess, That's, being an older country. You know, you can get yeah. vitamin D in a pill now, so yeah. that might help. Some. Yeah, <laughs> but why would you rob them of that beautiful sense of melancholy, I wouldn't. Carl? I was just yeah. offering as I think an it's option. just buried into That's, the, the that culture is, It's in the now. DNA, right? You know, yeah. I think the French get too much credit for ennui because, man, I... I stole it from the Brits. The British might do it better, man. Honest well, the, the, to God. We, we like to fuck about. You know, because it's just worth a laugh. At the end of the day, like, we're kind of... When you compare the two countries, I, I sometimes think of America as, like, the teenager. Sure. Who's oh, hopeful yeah. and, you know, pushing forward and wants to get involved in everything. And we're, like, the senior citizen who's, like, 80 years old. <laughs> We've gone through all of that. And Already so fucked right, everything. Yeah, we don't matter. give a shit anymore, you know. <laughs> only only Brits could come up with, when asked to name a boat, Bodie McBoatface. <laughs> You know, I love that. And then, and then the other one I like to tell, talk about is during the census. Um, 
there, someone picked up that there was a rule that if 10,000 people wrote a certain religion in the other box, mm. then written into the law was it had to appear on the next censor sheet as, as a checkbox. Oh, my God. And so we got like, on and we oh wrote God. Jedi. And it was like 150,000 people wrote <laughs> Jedi on their census document. <laughs> it's just the sort of shit we do because it's, hey, it's funny, isn't it? It's <laughs> good for a laugh, <laughs> yeah. It's a fucking laugh, isn't it? <laughs> you know, what else we got to do? There's, there's Government's s- wankers. You know right? <laughs> there's something about... To borrow, to continually and lovingly borrow the parlance, there's something about that that universal sense of piss off that yeah, I yeah. just yeah. absolutely <laughs> love. Um, so <laughs> Marwa doesn't get to his tea. He experiences a keen paranoia. <laughs> I, Does he ever? I love how he wraps up his inter- internal monologue where he goes, "I must, I must rush back to him and discuss his problems at depth." <laughs> oh yeah, because he he flips it onto onto with no, like he's got a, a major problem. Yeah, yeah, I need yeah. to speak to him about it right mm-hmm. now. Which is which is great for his early character, which yes. is he refuses to come to terms with any of his own shit. And instead says, like, why don't you wash up like a human being? You know, like, rather than dealing with his own stuff, he's projecting. Absolutely. But as the as the movie progresses, you see him stand more and more on his own. Well, that feet. and well, people, I mean, mm. his uncle is a shit. And he's like, blames him. He's like, you're the instigator and all this. With so Nail's people, uncle? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so people are blaming Marwood. Marwood for with Nils when truly it's... Well, Withnor has created this whole world. Oh, exactly. Get to yeah, yeah, yeah. Monty, he's oh, created he's, this he's, whole exactly. world. That is. I can't believe it's almost toilet trailer. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the great oh film God. lines, dude. Um, but so he he gets back upstairs, but a, as often happens when you're high and you resolve to do something, by the time he gets back upstairs, he is not going to do. He doesn't even remember what he was planning on doing anymore, and now he's off. just trying to get away from Withnail again. Because he gets up the stairs and Withnail comes out and he goes, "I've got some dreadful news. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear anything." <laughs> and he runs into the. We're out of wine. <laughs> What are we going to do about it? <laughs> what are we going to do about it? Marwood's leaning against the fucking... Now, okay, early on I wrote down most of the dialogue, so I've just got it all. <laughs> but there's this bit where he's leaning against the mantelpiece, and Withnail is hammered drunk, just like staggering around in his in his flowing robes. And we can talk... I want to... Are you you're involved in theater a little? Yes or I've no? done one. All right, so... I would like to do more. This will be more for you then, but... <laughs> He was in Midsummer. You were in Midsummer. I that was, was that yes. is your one. That was the one. That was a damn good one, sir. Thank you. So it was very fitting, very English. Yeah, it was, <laughs> yes. I probably should have done the added credi- credibility <laughs> to the rest of the cast in the show. So. Guys and dolls, dirty rotten scout. I don't know. Yeah, what do you want to see? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but oh my god! It's when you first see with now. I've I've been in a couple of shows mm-hmm. but I've been around theater a lot cuz right. I often crib from or I steal from theaters to shoot my movies. Absolutely. There are dude, there are so so many theater people almost exactly like this. It's yes. kind of <laughs> shocking where you see like that self-importance and like I would never low him. We'll see oh, you got on, an like, audition. I didn't get an audition. Right. I didn't have an audition. The I'm not going to be an understudy. Yeah, and there's a the, lot of the that. subtle ways that they'll pull each other down mm-hmm. so that they. So oh, that, congratulations! But it's all fucking loaded and shit. Yeah, mm. yeah. Oh, well, well, good for you. Well done, darling. But they don't fucking mean it at all. No, there's poison in their yes, eyes. Yes, dude. It's like 
watching this movie. Oh, you got the pilot. I should get the pilot. You got the well. There's this amazing. There's this amazing line late in the movie. Five for the role and another five oh, for his yeah, ass. Yeah, <laughs> two and a Ten half. Ten bob a week. Two, two, yep. <laughs> Where's my agent? I haven't seen him. Bastard hasn't been around in two months. It's probably dead. bastard probably it's died. died. <laughs> but like. There, there's that thing. There's a line later in the movie when he calls his agent, and his agent offers him a couple of jobs, yes. mm-hmm. and he finds a way to turn them down by being insulted by them. He hasn't worked, and he starts the conversation by saying, "I haven't worked in three months," and they're like, "Well, I've got this thing for you. You want to understudy constantly?" I think you like, would rather drink, and he likes the idea of being an actor. But this is that this is that also theater does. thing crazy. where yeah. people are always some. If I can't have the lead. I don't want anything. No, that's right. just it. That's where you so have hard. where and that's where the shift you, that Marwood makes because yep. he takes that job and turns into the. He lead. takes yeah. a right. bit part and it turns yeah. into the lead. And yeah. I like that the movie literally ends with him moving beyond this. Mm-hmm. Doesn't even this want world. him. I don't want you to walk me to the train station. Yeah. I love that. I really don't yeah. want you to. I really don't want you to. Yeah. But I'm going to miss you. Mm-hmm. But I don't. But before we before we anymore. get all that learning. Sorry. Yeah. So that was the end of the movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> well, Spoilers. Not quite. Well, it's important but with what we were talking about the actors. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Sure. That <laughs> there's this great. There's this great thing. We've we've all been too high, right? <laughs> okay. So there's that bit where Marwood's leaning on the on the fucking mantelpiece, and with nails just. I love that they are both talking, but at no point for a while now are they talking to each other. Yeah. They're both just talking in a room. They're sharing their thoughts, but the other's not listening. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, I mean, we've t- we've said it twice already. I think I'll probably say it five more times, but Marwood turns into the room and he's staring at his two thumbs like, he, like he's holding joysticks and he goes, my thumbs have gone weird. Oh, I'm in the middle of a bloody overdose. My heart's beating like a fucked clock. I feel dreadful. I feel really dreadful. And with now, which is hilarious, and this movie does this so many times. They give you a, a you're you're in stitches laughing, and then with now will say something that just lets all the air out of the balloon. Yep. So do I. So does everybody. It's amazing. <laughs> Incredible. The way that he dismisses Marwood's like drug induced panic. But well, that that's his role here is to constantly. Poke a hole in his balloon. We have two movies back to back with millstones in them. In this one, Withnail's a millstone, and the next one, Nancy is a millstone. Oh yeah, that's and a good observation. I love that. Wow, it's absolutely. This is absolutely incredible. So do I. So does everybody. As he's pouring the last of the drink, and this is not the only time that we actually will talk about that instead of Nancy too. But this is not the only time that we see that we see Withnail take the last of something. He'll drink the last of the wine, and there's none left for Marwood. Or he'll rub that like <laughs> tiger, tiger, tiger bomb, bomb or whatever mm-hmm. it is all over himself. And he goes, "There wasn't much left in the tube. There's none left for you." And he just walk into the room and just dismissively gives have- him the wrong food and chucks <laughs> the rest of it in the toilet. Like there's a lot of that happening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got your saveloy. <laughs> Put it in the soap dish for later. <laughs> but like. Well, I love that Withnail makes it about himself too. He mm-hmm. not, doesn't only dismiss Marwood's feelings or observations he turns it around and says you think you've got it bad which marwood does he's freaking fuck out and this is bad this is not a good place to be and he goes look at my tongue like a gray yellow sock (laughs) he sticks his tongue out and looks at it in the mirror and this is the point where they (laughs) uh, marwood tries to get some coffee in him (laughs) where's the coffee soup 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 why have you got soup? Why haven't I got any soup? But it's the way Coffee. he has, accentuates the P. Mm. It's soup. 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 <laughs> Why haven't I got any soup? 
<laughs> and Mar- coffee. Marwood's drinking in a mug like every other human being. Marwood's drinking. He makes Why him. Why don't you shower like a you? Why don't you do the washing up? Why don't you do the washing up like a human right. being? How dare you? How dare you accuse me of being inhumane? And this is why the movie has got lasted so long as a cult classic. You can literally sit around the table for and just hours. Just just a movie. Movie. Yep. I was reminded, totally different films, but I was reminded of The Big Lebowski. Absolutely. Uh-huh. A movie, or, or Raising Arizona, a movie that is so well written top to bottom and so cleverly written. Look, movies that There are well written movies that you can't quote because they sound too real and real life isn't quotable. Right. The movies that you can quote are like beautiful street poetry. Mm-hmm. My heart's beating like a fucked clock is po- is a poem. Yeah, no one would ever say that. No. Almost every... There's a lot of lines in here that are clever wordplay where sentences will be misheard and then repeated back in a different order yes. that makes them mean something else. This whole thing is beautifully written. And I wish Bruce Robinson wasn't an asshole because I'd spend way more time praising him. But, dude, his writing, you can't take a damn thing from his writing. I will say this... Bruce, the the, the the documentary that you're referring to, I think you're taking him a little too literally. Oh, okay. My my take on his interview, the way he talks about Richard E. Grant, is that actually he loves the guy. And when you love a guy, you can make fun of him. You can bust you think it's You think I it's that, think that sort that of... More, yeah, the, the f- yeah I, don't th- I think he's kind of that sort of guy. This is, a, this is okay. actually a thing, too. There's a... There's a there, I've... Early on, when I was first watching British films, one of the first ones that really confused me when I was in like I think I was was like sixteen, maybe I saw Mm -hmm. Shaun of the Dead. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand the relationship between Nick Frost and Simon Pegg at all because I was like, he's constantly calling him a cunt. Mm -hmm. He's like farting on him, and yet they seem to like each other. But that there's a. The, the the American Americans think that they can bust balls. No one no busts can, balls no. like the British. <laughs> no. And even at even having you know having some pretensions of culture, I still don't always spot it. I'm just like you're being really right. Mean. Well, we don't we don't blow blow you know smoke smoke up people's asses. Yeah, yeah. like we just remind remind them to uh, in a way that that, that insult is everyone. a compliment. You know <laughs> that insult is the compliment. In order for me to give you I that like insult, that. that's a compliment. You know, I prefer I love that. You. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what ultimately happens is they, things come to a head when I mean Mar- Marwood can't. He, he's having a. He can't live in this stifling atmosphere anymore. So he mentions the washing up and Withnail that it as he always does because I love that Withnail says like I'm going to do the washing up. But he d- we end up with Marwood with a glove on doing the washing mm-hmm, up. Yep. Withnail is always about the grand gesture. And then I'm going to make a big grand gesture and I'm going to go and do this thing. And then he'll sort of slouch his way in and drag his feet up until Marwood, propelled by the momentum of the grand gesture, follows through. Mm-hmm. Over and over and over again. It's beautiful poetry, man. It's Withnail is the one who initially brings up the idea of going to the country. And Why then, don't you call your your uncle or whatever, right? Well, I dude, that is one of the most amazing. He's like, "What about what's his name?" Yeah, what about him? <laughs> right, <laughs> they know who well, they're talking why about. Why don't you give him a call? I don't know his number. Who the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but like it, I mean, it, it's a theater thing. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Withnail just yes ands constantly, mm-hmm. and Marwood has to drive. The what little plot there is, there isn't really a whole There's lot not of plot. A plot. No, the plot is two out of work actors go on holiday by mistake. Yep, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's it. That's it. One gets a job at the end, and yeah. then one of them gets a job. Yeah, and yet it's 
Oh my god, it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. So well, they, we also find out at that point with the dishes is that they've been up for sixty hours. Sixty, sixty <laughs> and hours has a potato. Well, yeah. that's I love that bit, dude. But like when when Marwood stops him, he's like he's like, no, you've been up for sixty hours. Let's get some sleep and we'll tackle it together in the morning. It is the morning, <laughs> <laughs> and he charges in. The fucker will rue the day. And he goes, no, you don't understand. Oh, rue the again. That's him with the big. There yeah, could, such as the it's like, movie. there could be something living in there. Oh, actually, did I write it down? Probably. <laughs> I probably a did. A rat? A rat. And he goes, there may be something living in there. He goes, what do you mean? A rat? It's possible. It's possible. Then the fucker will <laughs> rue the day. And he charges in there. And w- w- neither of them acknowledges that the kitchen is filled with steam. No, the, it's for a good couple minutes. They're mm-hmm. just wading through steam because that kettle's, kettle's been still boiling on. The whole zone, right? There's no water left in there. <laughs> there are there is a certain point of sleeplessness, of sleepless alcohol and drug fueled sleeplessness, where you start missing small details like fire. Well, <laughs> l- later on, yeah, in the next movie right. we talk about, very literally, fire. Mm-hmm. You just look at fire and you're like, I hmm. should be perturbed by right. There's, there's something, something about this seems. Here. I don't know, whatever. You just let it slide. Hot. But they just walk into like a steam room, this stifling atmosphere of sauna. And I love, I love, again, it's not poorly shot. No. Nope. Because they shoot so close and mm. so tight and every space in this early part feels so cramped that when we do get, eventually, I don't want to skip the washing up, but when, no. when we get to the park, the sudden jump to open space Feels like it feels like you're drowning with a collapsed lung. Well, and someone the opens thing. your lungs. Yeah, it's like open. It's suddenly mm. you, you have this <laughs> fresh air, and you we get a little bit of release too because we've been since the first saxophone peel. <laughs> we've been like cooped up. Even when we go out down to the diner, that's very because we're stressed out with mm-hmm. yeah with him. There's, there's something very oppressive about the the diner too. It's the blandness. Oh it's yeah. the it's the uniformity of color. Everyone's wearing tan, beige, gray, mm-hmm. and there's a bunch of newspapers, but they're all at weird angles. But it's also not a nice, bright, sunny day outside either. It's well, the newspapers in England, a way. England, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I like that in a way. The newspapers close each other, close people off from each other mm-hmm. too. It's putting up a blinder in front of yourself, and then with all the newspapers up, it makes a room. Yeah, it makes walls around tables. But when they go into the kitchen. And they get to, again, like this is, this movie's super fucking funny. They get to the sink and Withnail gets to the sink and he like hits the sink and recoils. Yeah. It's almost like he bounces off it. When the fuck did that happen? (laughs) 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 Who did that? It's just, dude, it's stacked. Well, there's a, I I think earlier he says, there's a teabag growing. There's a teabag growing. (laughs) They get in there and and Withnail recoils and he's like, he's like, my God. And he goes to grab the kettle. To pour the like pour hot water on some of the shit. Told you it'd bite you. And it's super hot because it's been bo- it's been boiling over mm, for like twenty like minutes hour, or whatever. Yeah. And he goes ah, uh, and he throws it into the sink. Uh, I told you you've been bitten, burned, burned. The kettle's on fire. And they go back in, and they they I think he has. They're like we have to get something out of there. It'll eat through the enamel. We'll never. Yeah, we'll never get the the dinner set. The dinner set. Yeah, the dinner service. We'll I think never, it's the dinner service. Yeah, it'll eat through the enamel. We'll never be able to use the dinner service again. That's such an aristocratic, very much phraseology so. as well. That's not something that Marwood is going to say. You often see that difference. Do you notice throughout the movie he goes from Marwood himself goes from being rather posh. Like well spoken to when he gets angry, he goes regional. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like when he drops his drops back to his kind of public, not public school because that's private school in England. We're very confusing, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, he just goes a little bit more urban, a little bit yeah. more working class. I think of the scene where he, it, when they're out at the uh, the cottage in the rain, and he slips and falls into the shit, and he mm. comes in and he starts yelling at at uh, Withnail, and he's like, "Go to the go and get some fuel from the shed. If you can't find anything." Bring in the shed. And there's just, he, you're right. Like, and especially when he's first around Monty, Mm -hmm. when they first meet Monty, he's very soft spoken and he's Mm -hmm. sort of, and just thoughts really. Right. You know. Oh, heaven. Have you been published? Oh, heavens no. Yeah. It's, it's very, yeah, there, he, it's a lot of masks, but his mask slips a lot with nails is like. Rubber cement to it's his like face. He doesn't have a mask with noise. That what? It's, I think that might just be with noise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, where he's trying to. That's interesting, though. That I don't think so because I think we see it. I think we see it slip. The only time we ever see it slip is when he does the monologue. To but the wolves what point at the does end. the mask become the person, though? That's what I'm saying. I yeah. think his mask is cemented on. Yeah, he's so deep into this persona that he's constructed for himself that there's it's almost. Like he puts another one on when he sees Monty because that's his family. He's According yeah, to his family, he's doing very on, well. Yeah. He's a great actor, and right. he's appearing in all these things, and hopes to play the Dane one day. And oh, a role I, know, a role I intend fun. to play. Yeah, and it'll and be, be marvelous, said it, yes. good boy. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> he says, uh, I think when they're they're trying to figure out how to approach dishes, and God, with yeah, Nail I love this turns song. and opens the cabinet, and he goes, "We'll get it with the pliers." <laughs> Comes out with like these rusty ass <laughs> vice grips. <laughs> and Marwood's like, no, no, give me the gloves. Yes, gloves. Can't do anything without the gloves. Mustn't anything attempt anything, anything without the gloves. And he's watching Marwood like struggle this like gloves on, and the fingers don't fit. And he reaches in, blindly reaching in under probably oh God. fifteen plates, three. It's hands. disgusting. And there's Gross like this one shit. hole. And you ever you ever seen the descent? Oh yeah, it's like the the hole she oh, crawls the up at the end. Hole? She's like reaching in. Yeah. And or he he's reaching in and he he picks it up and he goes he goes oh what have you found matter, matter. yeah of all the words to use they use matter matter, matter. <laughs> not not scum or dirt no, or it's matter yeah. <laughs> matter it's dude it's the most perfect word choice and he repeats it does he yes matter and he's matter. he's just so, doing there what's doing there you can almost <laughs> see, you can almost see with them, like not. It's like that thing when someone says something to you that's so nonsense that you're not like, sure you pink. heard him right. Yep. And he's like, Matt, right? <laughs> where's it coming from? And I love that Marwood like holds his hand out literally like they're at like the scene of a car accident and there's a child in the road and he's like, like I'm working here. Don't look. I'm dealing with it. <laughs> and Withnail turns around and starts walking out of the kitchen in a daze. And he goes, I think we've been in here too long. I feel unusual. Unusual. I think we should go outside. <laughs> I love that the kitchen broke him. That was like the. It was the dishes. This is too much. The dishes. That was the. And that's so realistic, dude. Oh my god! Like, yeah. I would. I'll do the vacuuming at the drop of a hat. But you know, the dishes are that one thing where you're like, maybe later. Yeah. Uh okay. We can get one more meal. Like I'll just I'll rinse this pan. Mm-hmm. And then eventually it gets to a point where you come. I always do it in the morning. I come downstairs to make the coffee and I see. Di- the, the sink and then the the that's it's the you, there's nowhere to cut anything anymore nope. because you've got dishes on every countertop Even if you clean the pan all of your excess dirties are on the stove yeah you're yep. and you've you're like your coffee cup is shaking and you're staring at it and you're like 
okay, I'm going to put on the Joe Rogan podcast. Yep. And the That's gloves. three hours. That's enough yeah. time. Dude, yeah. Or our show. <laughs> <laughs> I'll listen to one of the Measuring Flicks shows. Um, and I love that when we cut, we cut from a confined space to the appearance of an open space. But what we cut to is we cut out of their apartment, but we cut to them standing at a fence. It's a fence with one looking it's a dog. Well, it's It's wolves. Regent's uh, Park. So, so they're wolves, in Regent's then. Park, and Regent's Park is uh, where London Zoo is. So you're incredible. looking at the external perimeter of London that's, Zoo. That's incredible. Yeah, you, you can Because I thought they looked very wolf-like. I'm like, that can't mm-hmm. be a wolf. It's someone's backyard yeah, no, or whatever, yeah, yeah. but yeah. So yeah. Awesome. I love that they... Mm. Yeah, it's... Well, it's... I love that we cut to... Because these two are very, they're they're like there's that there's there are a whole series of connotations that come with wolves. Yes, like there's this the hungry wolf, the, the pack of one, right? And and there's also something especially sad. There are certain animals that de- are depressing behind bars. Wolves I think are most one of them. Are but that's just my yeah. I, I think monkeys kind of don't give much of a. They fuck. don't give much of you a. You know, fuck. like what they throw poop at you and yep. they have sex all day. You know, like. But there, there are certain animals. The predators, the the, the apex Look, predators, I'm, are the ones that are hard to see behind bars. Yeah, mm-hmm. like there should you should never have a tiger in a cage. Fuck no. You, like wolves are always sad behind a cage, and I love that we cut to the illusion of space, but it's just another confinement. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's they can't get away from the closed off. They can't get away from their cage, no matter where they go. I love that, and I think that's done really intentionally. Oh, absolutely. You know? like he can't even get out of the gate. He has to climb over it when we get to the, <laughs> well, the bull gate. Essentially. The bull gate. Um, but no, you're absolutely right. Even this, when they get into the country and it's that vast landscape, they're surrounded by fences. Did you notice that the only other person in the scene is a woman walking a dog? Huh, no, didn't. So you have. Together. You've seen this a lot of times. A lot of times. Yeah. Wow. So, so you've got, we've got wolves in a cage. And then even when you're outside your cage, you've been domesticated. And it's not any dog. It's a tiny ass like joke of a dog. Right. Which was a wolf until humans twisted it and crushed it down into this cute, meaningless, fangless thing wow. on a leash. And she's a walking it. A little piece of shit. And yeah. she's walking it through Regency Park. Those dogs. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm Great Danes, baby. Yeah, I'm convinced like chihuahuas or will lose their legs. Dogs. <laughs> so this is where the... Air quotes plot is introduced. Oh, right, they go and mm-hmm. we need to have a holiday. They need to get the fuck out of town, dude. You, we've and well, they're waiting for the pub to open. If you remember, at eleven, like, right, so yeah. it's still three hours till the pub opens. That so means we have, we're going to freeze gonna for right three hours. What, I love yeah. that they sit on the bench and they're like, "What time is it? Is yeah, it it's eight like, something? Eight. Yeah. He's like, Christ, three hours. <laughs> and they're sitting there, and he's like, "What are we? What are we?" Uh, Marwood asks with and He goes, "What are we going to do?" With Nolan goes, how the fuck should I know what we should do? And he goes, maybe we should. And then Marwood introduces our the impetus for the entire story. Mm. Maybe we should get away from it for a while. Mm-hmm. Go to the country. Well, do you think his intention is to let, let we need to get out to the country and like clean up? Or do you think he's just like, let's get out to the country just to get out of the city? Trying to find a non-confined space. Fair cleansing. Enough. I think yeah, yeah. Cleansing. Yeah, that's what my read is. Right. It's there. I mean, and also, like when when they do ultimately get to the cabin, you see him try to like get into the that rustic country thing. Yep. In a weird way, <laughs> he drinks a lot less in the cottage than with. Norway. Well, that's if the beginning notice, of his sobriety. To, I mean, he still drinks and still yeah. does that. But he eventually dials it back. Mm. There's a lot of stuff that hap- happens. As soon as he starts shaving, and that's pretty early. 
with the whole wiener thing. As soon as he's shaving in the tub. With one, I, another one of the most beautiful monologues incredible. ever. I think that is the beginning of him seriously slowing down. Speed is like 12 Atlant- exactly. transatlantic flights without stopping. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but Danny is here. <laughs> Purveyor of rare. Purveyor of rare. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love that. <laughs> I don't. I'm. I'm sure there's something. I feel like there's something to it, but I can never get past the joke to f- dig any deeper. But when Withnail coughs and spits that thing on the ground, mm-hmm. he's like, "Christ, look at that a bit of raw potato." It's the only thing that's passed my lips in sixty hours. The, o- the only solid. The, the only. only the solid, only solid yeah. to pass my lips in sixty hours. I, mean, I really must be ill. <laughs> um. <laughs> So they get back in, and I think before Danny shows up is when Withnell drinks the lighter fluid because they're trying to figure out how to kill three hours. And it's there's like a cold snap going on, and this is when we see That's, he's rubbing the he, mm-hmm. it's, cream on him. We, if we rub ourselves in the jelly, we can stand next to the heater and get warm. Yeah, I mean we call it deep heat. That's what yeah, deep, yeah heat. deep heat. Deep heat. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of like icy, icy hot. hot. Yeah. So. <laughs> with, with, we Jesus see Withnail in his underwear and a bathrobe, basically completely smeared. It's disgusting. It's gross. His he's completely smeared, totally pale, greasy. Could you imagine what that feels like as well? Like we, had, I had a friend once. We were playing a, ma- a oh. cricket match, and it was one of those cold early starts of the season, uh, April May time. And the guy, for some reason, we used to call him a speso for short for specimen because he was such a, a moron. Yeah. <laughs> He decided, he said, one of the ways to get warm was to put deep heat, icy hot, on his face. And then went out into the field for like three hours. Jesus. And he's like burning. (laughs) If you ever have like sore balls, you should rub it on your sack too. Yeah, yeah. And just inside the pee hole if you can. It's really refreshing. So funny. (laughs) I always think of that that, that game and (laughs) when I see that scene, I'm like... How's that face working out? Yeah, best, seriously. How's that face working out? Well, this, with, with, this is the first... He, he throws the empty tube at Marwood, and he's like, there wasn't much left in the tube. There's none left for you. And he's walking around, and this is... He reads... No, yeah. He's, this is when he's talking about his... Jeff aid. Wode. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, Jeff Wode is when... Earlier when it's Marwood's earlier. having his freak out, because he, when he's like, his head is so massive... Imagine what his balls must be like. <laughs> Imagine what it'd be like to get in a fight with the fucker. He'd probably tell you what he's doing before he does it, or while he's yeah. doing it, he'd explain dude, it to you. And also, wh- one of the things that I loved most about that scene, and the reason I think you should watch it high, is the you wh- if you watch this movie high, you get the lines the way that Marwood is getting them. And there's something really unsettling about when Withnail just go, his face goes blank, and he goes, "I'm going to pull your head off." It it rattles your cage, dude. I've only watched it sober. Oh, no, I haven't. I watched no, it high the first time. Uh, Carl watched it so high he forgot he watched yes, it. Man. <laughs> but no, man. Like when and jumping on wings. Yep. There's this great and the next thing that happens in in that moment is when uh, Marwood's like, "Please, I can't hear this right now." And he goes, and he goes, that's what you'd say, but it wouldn't matter. And then he it turns to Jeff. It wouldn't matter to Jeff. <laughs> and he turns around and looks right at Marwood and he goes. I'm going to pull your head off because I don't like you. <laughs> and it's, dude, watching the, watching the movie, if you're fucked up, it screws with you. You're like, please don't say that again. I can't have you say that again. <laughs> but, the, what the, I mean, dude, I just want to, I'm trying not to just quote lines, but when... It's hard when this is, this is... We haven't gotten to 
meet yet, but we have. Like right. there, there's these cool metaphors going on, and we're establishing character. But <laughs> Withnail goes over to the thermostats and he goes, "What the fuck have you done to the thermostats?" He goes, "I haven't touched them." Then <laughs> why has my head gone numb? <laughs> <laughs> Like how, how high must how you high? be? I demand All the way booze. High. <laughs> I demand booze. And this is when, what well, I mean, one of the iconic moments, and it, it's not just funny, but it also it also kind it's of horrible too. Do you yeah. notice he's put the pink glove on as well? Yeah, he's and got it's floppy <laughs> as well. So when he waves his hand, yeah. it kind of waggles <laughs> a little bit. And dude, and the producer's telling me that this is not physical comedy enough. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So he picks up lighter fluid and rips the top off. And Marwood stands up and he's like, I would not advise you doing that. <laughs> and he goes, don't drink that stuff. Even the uh, wankers, even wankers, the wankers on, the on the street don't drink that stuff. And he goes, nonsense. They only drink it because they can't afford it. And he slams like a container of Zippo lighter fluid, basically. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, and he, he immediately is like, I want some more. Oh! What, does he, what does he say? Have we got any more? And Marwood's like, no. Where's the toolbox? Yeah. Where's the toolbox? <laughs> Yeah, he goes, what's in your toolbox? And Marwood just shakes his head, and, and you see Withnail's eyes go wider, and he goes, we've got antifreeze. And you should don't never mix your liquors. Yeah, no. I love that, but you should never mix your drinks. Bloody, your drinks right. bloody fool, you should never mix your drinks. Mixing <laughs> drinks, lighter fluid and meth. Oh, my God. It's just, it's one of the great, it's one of the truly great lines in any movie. Because it's not... Don't drink antifreeze. It's you can't drink yeah. it because you've already drunk right. lighter fluid and you'll be sick if you drink both. <laughs> oh. oh my god, it's incredible. So, uh, Withnail collapses and vomits up a bunch of lighter fluid, and then the pub opens. See, this is and this is an interesting because he puked on his shoes, he had to like clean his shoes and put like uh, smelly goods on them. So his feet stink. They're, they smell flowery. He puts perfume. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Marwood puts perfume on his shoes. Which because is his super shoes. important. So something that fucking Withnil did creates this situation that we're going to get into in this pub now because of something stupid he did. He's constantly mm-hmm. creating these. It's not an immediate sort of setup payoff of him creating this chaos in their universe. It's something he pukes on his <laughs> shoes which forces him to clean them and put them petunia essence of petunia yeah, essence of petunia <laughs> so it's not until much later that that turns into a problem when we have our gentleman outside of the loo <laughs> oh my god giving him problems because because he smells flowery you irish poof. meathead right and this is just again like this is another it's one of those go for it dude and you're not even i know you're trying to avoid the mic but i'm barely picking Sweet. it up so just go for it um but not don't do that though. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'll, I'll throw that up is, on your shoes, and you'll need to. That is similar sort of sound editing to the movie, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hear the match strike. Just, hear the mm-hmm. squelch of the Friday. Honestly, one of the things I love about this isn't. I mean, we haven't even gotten to the rest of how this movie is scored with Jimi Hendrix and oh. dude. It's just such an eclectic soundtrack. It's incredible. It's pretty on brand for like late '60s though. Right. Which but is you're you're traveling between genres not to get all deep again but one of the things i like is every time we get these because all along the watchtower we get voodoo child we get these really iconic 60 late 60s hippie songs Mm -hmm. and they're always played in the context of something really dilapidated run down like when we get voodoo child one of the things we see is like this busted ass rolls i think it's a rolls royce mark ii jag 
Is it a Jag? It's a Jaguar Mark II. Jag, wow. Jag Mark II. Uh, Marwood's, Marwood's car. That is an iconic on, symbol of Britishness. On this show, we will have to Even refer when it's to it. banged up as fuck, right? Yeah. Like, oh, it's still beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it's still oh, a beautiful I mean, car. Yeah, it's a Jag. <laughs> for t- it's not a Jag, Carl. What? It's what? a Jaguar. Jaguar. Today only, Jaguar. it is a Jaguar. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but or, it, or Jag. Okay. Yeah. If you say it sexy, does you that- You can say that with slippers on. Jag. <laughs> I'm just going to go for a ride in the jab. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Ooh. Mm. And then er- earlier <laughs> earlier when we get, a little bit earlier in the movie, when we get all along the watchtower, it's a building being demolished. Oh, and it's the timing of it, because as the <laughs> as the wrecking ball hits, you get the guitar. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it's, the editing is genius. I love how close the way it's cut is he genius. is to, I mean, he's getting in his car less than a block away. He's coming out of a door in a, from a building that's building. attached yeah. to a building that's <laughs> being torn down, which we'll, we'll talk about it. And that's another moment that I called iconic. Absolutely iconic. I think that was one of the very many few times I actually down. spoke during watching it with you guys was like, coolest scene in movie Absolutely. history right there when yeah. he flicks those sunglasses down yeah. he becomes John Lennon for that, a hot oh, second it's that incredible. perfect he actually looks like looks a Blue lot Bruce like, Robinson oh, he does fuck, he yeah. looks, when you yeah. do that he, he's like man that's Bruce like, when you flip the when you flip the Marwood is down. based on Bruce if we haven't said that already yeah. it was a semi-autobiographical that looks like over a couple of days this was over like three or four years yeah when you shared that house or apartment mm-hmm. with all those other yeah well it's it's not just the it's not just the song choices it's the way that the sound editing is done like later later so on magical. yeah it's mm-hmm. because you don't a lot of a lot of movies won't give you like the strike of a where the strike of a match is so rich sounding mm-hmm. or like the, the sound of a door clasping shut I was just thinking of the tea room. The latch. Yeah. The latch. I love that. Or the bottle breaking outside the boot scraper. Mm-hmm. Sharpening his fucking knife. <laughs> <laughs> we like, mean you all. He, he, he wants you go to him. Go, go off, to him. Offer, offer yourself, yourself to, to him. him. <laughs> but like, <laughs> just the just the sounds, man. So they the, the pub opens. They get to the pub. Two gins and two large ciders, right? And this, this is a good time to start Ice talking the about the drinking game. Yes. Because this is one of the things that made it such a cult classic in England, is mm-hmm. our penchant for drinking heavily. Um, <laughs> you you can look it up on the internet, this where we started before we watched the film. Is there is a drinking game where you can prep and you can try and keep up with them. Yeah, you get your you get your bottles out Man. and you drink along with, with so now. So when they drink, you drink what they are drinking. Right. And whenever they say it as well. Specifically, I think it's drinking with Withnail because right, because he's the one that's because Marwood often doesn't. Mm-hmm. But with, Withnail is the heaviest drinker, of, so of course he's the guy you pick for the drinking game. Now for lighter fluid, they insert vinegar, right? Yeah. So you don't yeah, have you can to do drink vinegar, poison yes. unless yeah. you want. I, yeah. I mean, kill yourself. <laughs> yeah, it seems a little. Stupid. I had I had a I had an alternate. I was actually thinking about this right after I finished watching this again yesterday. I was like, rather than doing vinegar. I would I would do pickle juice personally. Oh, absolutely. Well, I would just drink pickle juice anyways. Yeah, but I I feel like I feel like vinegar would be an early end to your night because if you put anything on top of something that's that chemically reactive, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. pickle juice is still totally fucked. But you might you have, a, have that. Like, you might have a better chance <laughs> of making it through the entire the entire game. And of course, it's going to be really hard to find a fifty three Margo nowadays. I'm good. Um, we're going to get the mince pies out soon. That's right. <laughs> Keto <So>. boy. <laughs> mm-hmm, this is delicious. <laughs> so they they start drinking, and this is where Marwood pushes the idea again. Same day. He's like, all right, so, and that's the, what, what about, what's his name? Yeah, what mm-hmm. about him? Why don't you give him a call? 
I don't know his number. Who the fuck are you talking, yeah. talking about? Your uncle. Or your, yeah, your, yeah, your uncle. Your uncle. Monty. Your uncle Monty. And he goes, Monty? Yeah, he's get the, the thing in the... He's, or he's like the, the house in the country. All right, give us a tenner. I'll give him a ring. He gives him <laughs> 10 pounds and with an L immediately throws it to the bartender. <laughs> and he gets orders <laughs> another round with it. And Marwood goes to take a piss. And I think it's important to note that... Be- if you were as devastatingly high as Marwood was at the beginning of the film, even three hours later... You're coming down. Yeah, you still got some echoes mm-hmm. of that. And we get his voice over again. And it's that really like... Uh, oh, because as he's walking into the bathroom... He gets harassed a the, little. You said he was a... What did you call him? An Irish... <laughs> Just a moron, really. He's he's a, an, he's oaf. A, an oaf. An oaf, yeah. I was wondering if you had any colorful British slang for <laughs> like rude, muscular people who yell at other people in bars. But, Meathead... Yeah. That's kind of an American. It, yeah. I, I kind of start getting a little bit con- conflicted because I've now lived You've in this country for a, for a decade. Right. <laughs> so like off and on. You know, it's eight <laughs> years this January, and then I was here for three years before that. But So there's this big, like, bruiser type, you know, sitting over by the door. And he, as as Marwood's walking into the bathroom, he goes, he doesn't even look up. He just goes, Ponce. Mm-hmm. And, he, and Marwood walks in. And he, I love his voiceover. He's like, He's like, what, what have I done to offend him? I don't think I've done anything active to offend him, but with that type, with testosterone up to the eyeballs, he did, he's probably got a chemical imbalance. There's nothing you need to do to. And he's 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 trying to. He's like, I I love the the line where he goes, I am in I am in very serious real danger in this room. I need to get out, because he's like trapped in this tiny bathroom. And, and he's, he reads the writing on the and wall. he's trying to piss and he looks up and it's I fuck I fuck asses. <laughs> Who's I, asses? Who fucks asses? I fuck asses. Maybe he fucks asses. Maybe he fucks asses. And then, but the line goes even further. Those three are the funny bits, but I love the level of analysis. He goes, maybe he's written this in some moment of drunken sincerity. (laughs) (laughs) And as he walks out, because he's like, okay, I've been, he, I've been called upon. This guy's really big. I need to get, we need to go. Because this could very quickly evolve into a situation we don't want to be involved in. Now, is that a word that you guys use over here? As a gay, the a, F a word. derogatory gay word, like a punt. <laughs> yeah. That was that was okay for you to understand, like you knew what he was talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, as I understand it, the Brits use, I'll, I'm going to, uh, we've never said, I don't think we've ever said it on the show. But no, I'm gonna, we haven't. I'm going to say it though. So listeners, this is, this is a very bad thing. So I've, I've always understood that Ponce is sort of the British equivalent to fag, mm-hmm. more or less. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's an interesting story when I first came over though in 99. Yeah, I know that, I know that word, that fag means something different. Yeah, in the it's a cigarette, UK. Yeah. right? And so, of all the things, one of the first things that happened, I, you know, working at a summer camp, we were expecting, you know, no drink, uh, working six, seven days a week, one day off every fortnight, stuff like that. Mm. And the one I ended up at... How long is a fortnight? Two weeks. Thank you. Two weeks. Um, <laughs> which always freaks me out with the game. I'm like, what's the point in why call it? Two weeks. You know, <laughs> all right. You know, don't get where that comes from. But... Um, I get to the summer camp and they're like, yeah, the smoking sections are here, here, here. Stay around the staff room. You can have a cigarette. Within like 15 minutes of being at this place where I've prepped for three months to be like dry. I was a smoker then, so I was on the nicotine gun. Oh, yeah. Mm. And within 15 minutes, I had a beer in one hand and a cigarette in the other. And I actually used the phrase, can I ponce a fag? Mm. Which is, can I... Smoke a cigarette. Can I nab a smoke from you? Yeah. And they looked at me and went, what? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I was like, what did I just propose right. there? <laughs> just the looks of shock cigarette. and horror. You know, may I have a cigarette, please? <laughs> Might I oh. borrow one of your cigarettes? Yes. 
language is funny, man. It, it is. sure is. Um, so I love when he comes, <laughs> he goes over to Withnail, and Withnail is totally rattled already. You can see he's got the gin down. He's got his whole side. Well, who knows how much he had to drink while he was pissing? Yeah, that yeah. hair of the dog is now gone. Mm-hmm. So now he's back. Yeah, he's back into the slosh. You know, yeah, he's topped up a little. His color has <laughs> definitely changed. His eyes are a little bit glassy. Which, by the way, let's we we haven't talked really much about it yet. But Richard E. Grant's official nomination, Carl, best um, drunk actor, absolutely. He and Nick Cage are the two. Yeah, for leaving Las Vegas, right this now. is going to be really tricky, man. But I, I, I might have to give it to Richard E. Grant I mean, because allergic to alcohol. Yeah. He's simulating this entirely based on one experience and his perceptions. This is really phenomenal. He, he, even, he has peaks and valleys too, man. It's depending on he's he's dude. He's got he has a difference of wine drunk and gin drunk. He's got and different cider drunk. And, he does this amazing mm-hmm. sort of vacancy in your face we've all we've all seen we've all been but also we've all seen the person who's like fucked up Mm -hmm. but they've got just enough brain left to like this is as normal as i can Mm -hmm. manage to be and it's that we we kind of talked about it with nick cage and leaving las vegas it's really hard to get your eyes to go away like that Mm -hmm. yeah because you know your your brain is firing back there, and your your eyes are the trickiest thing to control. And Richard E. Grant absolutely exactly what it nails. Is. Just super. It's intense it's, control. It's really really remarkable. He has, and it's, it's he makes himself look sick, and not with like makeup. Like he looks. There are some moments when he is completely gone. He looks fucking mm-hmm. ill. His sick. His yeah. his really tight control. It sounds loose and sloppy, but only because it is so tightly controlled mm-hmm. his his voice it's you know like this is his drunk voice you know you can right. do drunk yes. voice but richard dude he's mr G- mr grand yes has this when he's talking to the cop later on he's like honestly officer i've only had a couple of ales and it's just <laughs> dude like that i couldn't sustain that for and it's not even mine's not even that good but i couldn't even sustain that for like a couple of lines mm-hmm. he'll do monologues maintaining this unwaveringly perfect because drunk slur is not actually a drunk slur it's like the weird way that vowels are clipped off and stuff right and he's fucking got it dialed and this is the first time we see it too where uh marwood comes up and he's like we need to leave right now and he's like what are you talking about i'm do you see the drinks i'm not going anywhere and he's eating a pie <laughs> and his like mouth is half yeah. full of pie and there's like yeah. chunks of pie oh, hanging on it's so good I said, you, uh, bruce <coughs> he doesn't he says you can't direct that that just happened right? yeah it was a moment in a scene or well, how would you so i need you when you turn around i need you to have just a little bit of pie yeah. in your mouth yeah, that, right. that, that's came, possible right just sitting there in a smile Oh my the smi- god! Yeah, the, the pie is like holding his cheek open because yes. it's such a big piece of pie that's stuck is, in his gums. It has gums. become part of his smile now. And he goes from super confident to when he sees the guy stand up, he's like, "Oh shit!" Well, I uh-huh. love, I love the moment too. The swagger where where Marwood's like, uh, he's like, "We have to go. We're in danger." And he's like, "What do you mean we're in danger? What are you talking about?" And he goes, "I've been called upon." And he leans back against the bar and says in this like grandiose, like holding court kind of way, "What fucker said that?" <laughs> You can almost hear the dude the this fucker yeah, says. Oh, yeah, four monolith of a man. You just hear like the floorboards creak <laughs> as his weight becomes centralized on <laughs> one part of the floor, and you're like, holy fucking shit. And this dude comes across the bar and he goes, I said it, and I'll say it again. Wait, Irish. I can't do Irish right now. I'm not enough coffee. But he goes, uh, <laughs> he comes over and he's like, I said it, and I'll say it to you too. Oh, dude, that... 
this is another one of those great little moments of writing and performance where Withnail starts to like cry. Yeah. You can see tears well up in his yeah. eyes because he's like such a coward, isn't he? He's just <laughs> I have a heart condition. If oh you my kill, God. if you hit me, it's if murder. You hit me, it's murder. <laughs> I have a, I have a baby. baby coming. <laughs> Does he say I have a baby on the way? No, he goes, My wife has a baby. Oh, my wife, wife has a baby, baby on the way. way. <laughs> Listen, I don't know what my yeah, then he throws him under the bus. Yeah, yeah. I love that he he nah, like it's not working. Let me just throw the other guy. Yeah, exactly. And he, you can you can hear the f on friend, and he dials it back and changes to acquaintance. And that it's so natural, dude. We've talked about this before, like trying to sound like you're speaking extemporaneously. Where in the script it says f dash dash acquaintance. Yeah, and you can. Hard it's so do. easy to butcher that, but I, my. Uh, my acquaintance like yes. dude, he and he just like shifts right over and he goes i think you should go outside and discuss it sensibly yeah, exactly. in the streets <laughs> so he can carry on drinking right? exactly <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I, the first thing he says to him is can i buy you a drink right yeah. i mean that i mean you know that could be possibly disarming and, yeah, absolutely. my brother went to ireland for two weeks and he said that that was the number one thing that he saw is like shit would happen he's he's like i while you get rep ireland has this big reputation for like fighting right sure and he was in dublin the whole time and he's like i didn't see a single fight but i saw like 20 fights almost there where like a guy would a guy would get up to go and get some drinks and he'd come back and another guy would come in and start talking to his girlfriend he said he saw this particular scenario like five times in a row at the same club and a dude would come over and start talking to the dude's girlfriend and the guy would come back with drinks and he'd be like what are you doing? Yeah. And the guy'd be like, uh, what are you talking about? And he's like, this is my girlfriend. And he goes, and, and like, it, it, you could see the, the tension's mm, there. Yeah. And it's like, the beers are about to hit the floor and the fists are about to go. And then the dude who came and talked to the girlfriend would be like, I'm so sorry. You've got a beautiful girlfriend, man. Like I'm, you should be, I, I, I wish I was as lucky as you can. I buy you a drink. And that was it. And then they were friends for the rest of the night. Yeah. And they, those three would hang out mm -hmm. and like immediately tension was gone. So I like that that was his default thing. He's like, if I get you drunk enough, maybe you'll like me. Right. <laughs> but to his credit, he's the one that pushes him out of the way in the end. With now? Yeah, it surprised me because he's the one that's being a coward and he's like, you know. And he shoves the dude and yeah, runs. Yeah, he's the one that shoves and runs in the end. Well, yeah. that's his last ditch efforts, that yeah. or die. Yeah. <laughs> I guess when you're that far against right. the I love wall. the way he runs as you see that kind of running up the hills where it's like the, the arms <laughs> yeah, are <they're> just swinging. <laughs> Such an eclectic run. <laughs> so this is when, this is the shaving scene in the bathroom. And there's this beautiful monologue about t taking amphetamines. Speed, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, this is when Danny, the drug dealer, is introduced for the first time. Wow. He let's find his shoes so he's here. Well, I on the, I like that his last line on the way out too is anyone have any shoes? Well, there you go. has got any shoes? I can, dude. Ralph. Where do you go? Got any shoes? Ralph Browns. It's too incredible. If I dose you, man, you know you've been. Uh, there he goes. If I spike you, man, you know you've been spoken to. That's right, dude. It. Danny is one of my favorite characters because you'd think a brain hemorrhage was a birthday gift <laughs> dude he comes in and one of the things that i like my my note for for ralph brown's performance is all superlatives wrapped in one yep it's so brilliant because it's so 
It's so weird and so off and so pushed into strange territory that it comes right back around and you believe it 100%. Oh, I buy, I buy everything. I, yeah. I believe that he has a, a guy in Mexico that's bringing him only the best grown at 2,000 feet of sea level or whatever the <laughs> fuck for the... For the grace, he he has that. I feel in a way that this character has. I don't know if we I've ever are, seen it done better. Our hair receptors for the transmissions. That's why bald people are so all all hairdressers. Uh, right, yeah, all, all, all hairdressers, hairdressers are the in the employ of the government. <laughs> and the character that Danny's based on was a hairdresser. It's incredible. But dude, like this character has become a thing, which is the guy who's so fried out and so drugged out of his mind and has gone so far. And yet drops these like almost Zen Cohen's yes. of wisdom mm-hmm. in with the madness because the shit about like your hair receiving signals from the cosmos is clearly insane. But he. But it, then there's a pearl. That's <laughs> also though that would also have been consistent with the late sixties. Absolutely, you know, people were wearing tinfoil hats and yeah. shit, right? Right. So. <laughs> well, yeah, the vibrations of the universe yep. and whatnot. But I like that even though he still talks that way, Danny is very clearly aware that this is the end of this time period. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's his full commitment to like that, like, let's just go with the flow. Mm-hmm. That's allowing him to move forward out of it. This is the second time we see him back at the flat after the vacation. Mm-hmm. He's given that opportunity to use, to give that, that monologue, a, isn't it? Yeah, About the yeah. end of the decade, 91 days. Which, is. which is totally insane. But, uh, <laughs> but Mike Myers was a huge fan of Wivnor and I. And really? he literally pulled Danny and Ralph the actor mm. and put him in Wayne's World 2 as the roadie that's right <laughs> or we had to go and find 500 Baron and oh, or Ozzy wouldn't go on stage that put night. him in a brandy glass yeah. right <laughs> <laughs> Sri Lanka formerly Ceylon <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I didn't even realise that was him yeah that's him oh my god one of the great moments Who's the old lady that's my old lady <laughs> <laughs> One of the great moments for me for Danny is he's got the glasses on the entire time mm. and he seems dr- weird, but it's when when he uh, with Nell's being really abusive to him. He's challenging him and he's challenging his drug authority and his oh, tolerance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where and and Danny's Danny basically says like if you if you don't if you're not if you don't like straighten up I'll have to I'll have to spike you yep. and if I spike you, you which I love especially because this wordplay relies on the British accent. If I spike you, you know you'll be you know you've been, been spoken, spoken to. to. Mm-hmm. You can't really pull that off. No, in not without the accent. Yeah, it it kind of depends on it. It's a regional joke, which I love. And <laughs> I think Withnail says I could take twice what you could and run a mile or whatever. He says. I'll take that and run a mile. And <laughs> and Dan, there's this great moment when Danny pulls his shades down and you see his eyes oh, for the first man. time, and it's just Jeez. that like. Haunted. This guy has done a lot of drugs. Yep. <laughs> it's like all. It's like, dude, the, br- the like bruised look goes ab- almost above his eyebrows. Oh. It's so dark. He just he's got and and the lighting's right because he's looking down. He's, <laughs> he's got his head down but looking up with yeah, more. So it's like a. It's it's incredible. It's it's like the eyes that have these are eyes that have looked upon they the face of God. You know, like shit, man. <laughs> Through many hallucinogens. Yes, <laughs> and I love that Marwood comes over and touches with me on the shoulder, and he's like, he's like, don't, he's like, don't be, don't be mad. Look at him, <laughs> just look at him. <laughs> Those eyes are the eyes that created the universe. Fuck yeah, dude! Like he has spoken the word that lit the fire <laughs> that at the beginning of creation. I wrote, I wrote down, Danny, high drug XP. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
if he was a D&D character, exactly. like, his drug tolerance would be like super high. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. his number one stat. He rolled, a, yeah. he rolled a nat 20 <laughs> on that, and he's just been augmenting it since. <laughs> yes. It's fucking insanity. No, you can put you can put talents into other... other no, you're going to stick with... Okay. Yep, I'm just going to max out that one. Max that. Perfect. All right. This is another... Uh, this is another uh, weird resonance between this and Sid and Nancy. This is a, the first of two drug dealers that we'll see who leave because they're they've been offended by really abusive behavior from drug they're drug addicts and alcoholics who still keep coming back because that's the nature well, of the relationship. They, yep. Yeah. Um. So basically, so basically, Danny hangs out and talks a bunch of shit. <laughs> I love that on his way out. The reason they start that he he showed up because he thought he forgot his shoes there. Which yeah, which weird, means that he had yeah, to have walked out of somewhere with no with shoes. No on. shoes, exactly. But I love the last thing he says before he leaves. He goes, "By the way, either of you got any shoes?" <laughs> They're like, uh-huh. and you don't notice that until, but you, straight away you look down and notice he's barefoot. <laughs> and that's a that's a constant thing through this entire film is people without proper footwear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They the, don't have the boots. Wellington, the yeah. Wellingtons. They're wearing sandwich Wellingtons. bags. So. They they ultimately go and talk to Uncle Monty. The the next this is wow. So uh, I'm not so Harry Potter is never going to be the same. (laughs) Yeah, Monty is Uncle Vernon or Uncle Uncle Vernon. 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 And he's marvelous. He's so good. Shit, he's so good in this. Um, but this is another moment. Everything I want him to be in this. See, this is the first. That's probably the first time you see him as not Vernon. Whereas I saw him as Monty before I saw before Vernon. So that will be even more (laughs) disturbing. It's like, hey, he's Monty. Oh, Monty is you're not Monty. (laughs) You better not be Monty. (laughs) Stop holding that boy. Stop holding that boy, Monty. (laughs) There's one of my one of my favorite sleeping boy. One of my favorite lines in the whole movie is when they when they meet the farmer and they're like they're like you know Montague. The fat man? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The fat, fat man. man. He was here with his son. And yeah. you see... That's him. And you see... Pseudonym. As soon as he says he was here with his son, yeah. Marwood's Mar- face Mar- goes kind of bland, and he goes, yeah, yeah that's, that's him. him. <laughs> <laughs> he was here with a young boy? Yeah. Yeah. That's Mar- That's uh, that's Montague. Um, but, dude, this is another one of those things where his house is like a study in how you add texture to a visual image. Mm-hmm. It's a tapestry, dude. The performances are gold, but everywhere that camera looks is so... It's rich, man. And with it's, the curtains closed, it doesn't matter whether it's day or night outside nope, not when you're filming. No, right? and the curtains are so ornate that they add... It's almost... It's so visually busy and overwhelming. The word that kept coming to mind was Monty's house is, just, is all filigree and no substance. Because mm-hmm. there's really... Mm-hmm. If his house is like two kind of shabby couches with a bunch of shit thrown on them. That is so aristocratic, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's a difference. Like, nouveau rich people, right. new rich people, they, they're kind of like, they have to have the best and they think it's all perfect. But Whereas true wealth, true aristocracy, it's old. You know, it's well, just yeah, old and the, tattered yes. and you're starting to get lower and lower and lower. In, in. Yeah. That, well, so very opulent, but sorry. No, so yeah. very opulent, but... If yeah, you, if you pick up the duvet cover, it's this there, old tattered. It's, yeah, it's, it's tattered. This, it's, right. It's it's the, but also it's I also scratch the surface. It's, mm-hmm. And I also feel like with with uh, my idea, I guess my idea of of British aristocracy based on other shit I've seen is there's sort of like a a refined and subdued feel. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's whereas when you get into Monty's house, it's his house is gaudy. Mm-hmm. There's pat- patterns that clash, and there's there's next to like 
silk next to the, and it's they don't really work together. It's just a lot of finery stacked on a lot of nothing. Yeah, and I like I like the distinction. This is as if, if over the years other homes that they maybe owned. They've t- they've lost the, the property, so they've brought that here, and it just all goes into the room. Everything gets packed. Kind of like a mishmash yeah. Christmas tree. Yeah, you know, yeah some yeah. people have that themed Christmas tree where it's all white and blue and <laughs> like ours, <laughs> white got, and silver. Yeah. Uh, we have Alan Rickman's years. face as our as our tree top. Yeah, so, so you've I mean, got a Monty yeah. tree. Yeah, I have a Monty tree. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, so do we, because you know we have children, and as you do that, you build up. You Pick sure. up a couple of ornaments yep. here and there you over years, over time, yeah. and it becomes a big hodgepodge of everything in your life. So he's just surrounding himself with all of that, and it's all and vegetables and vegetables. He loves. <laughs> oh oh my God! What's the uh, line uh, about flowers are flowers essentially tots, <laughs> prostitutes for the bees, <laughs> prostitutes for the bees. <laughs> that there's Jesus. there's something so invigorating about a firm oh. young carrot. <laughs> I like the root veg. Dude, it's I find the cauliflower. <laughs> yeah, I uh, well, he says I've always found the cauliflower more beautiful than the rose or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's it's so amazing. And then we f- we realize I love. There's this great. I love that Marwood kind of. He's not even like stage whispering. He just comes and says to Withnail a couple times because Monty is off in his own world. He's mm. five feet away, but he's so lost yeah, in his monologuing. And we should mention at this point that. Uh, if you're playing the drinking game, you're drinking like probably a quarter of brandy, a quarter of a fifth of brandy. When he's and, chugging and right sherry. now. And sherry. And sherry. And sherry. Sherry. Is it sherry? Sherry. Yeah, Chateau Margaux is a little hard to come by. Yes. Yeah. I don't think 53. You'd have to find us <laughs> the century. Find us the century. But you'd have, yeah, but like pl- watching him drink, wa- Withnail puts down like five, six drinks in Well, Monty chases minutes. after the cat, and then he immediately reaches over and grabs the brandy bottle, doesn't he, yeah. to start chugging. Always he looking takes, for the opportunity. Yeah. Pulls off the, straight off he the bottle. He exists mm-hmm. just to filter booze into piss. Yeah, and then yeah. gets another opportunity when Monty comes back. Well, Can I get you a drink, Cotton Call? Yeah. He's well, not chugging it himself. <laughs> well, I love that on the way out, Monty's like, feel free to make yourself another drink. And he doesn't refill his glass. He drinks from the bottle, so when Monty gets back, he can refill his glass. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Dude, it's... But and that we we just talked about leaving Las Vegas. That is the move of an alcoholic, dude. Yep. That is that is strategic drinking. Which so you know you can get the most right value. So I love what I love. That. He's opportunistic on every level. Absolutely, whether yeah. it's Marwood or Monty, he takes advantage of everyone to make sure he gets what he wants. He yeah, the last of the tube. Absolutely. Well, there's a weird there's a weird moment of honesty where Monty kind of calls him out later in the in the cabin where he goes mm-hmm. you're you're gonna do the vegetables and and the marwood is gonna sit down and enjoy himself and with goes i don't know how to do the vegetables and monty goes of course you don't because you don't you you don't understand anything but the the uh pursuit of pleasure the pursuit of pleasure the like the enjoyment of pleasure mm. and he goes so i'm going to teach you how to peel a potato Potatoes show up in this movie like four times. <laughs> yeah, they time. do. Yeah. They're name checked and two times. He this- celebrates finding one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> found one <laughs> with a fork. Jesus Christ! In his underpants and bags on his feet. Yeah. Dude, it's there's a there's something about My shoes are in the oven. <laughs> My shoes. God damn it! <laughs> there's something about this movie that. We should talk about, especially because leaving Las Vegas and mm-hmm. next week, Sid and Nancy, we're doing right. three three of this movie in a row, basically. And it was something that I picked up watching the documentary where these guys, there's these two, like, I call, I'll call them London youths talking about the movie. 
And they say, it was sort of a disappointment when we dis- we were all sort of let down when we discovered that Richard E. Grant was this non-smoking teetotaler. Right. Because, you know, like, with Nails, this guy that he's always the cool guy that pops into your head when, when, you're, when you're, you're pissed or you're, you're high out of your mind. And I thought about it, and, like, looking at them talk about the movie, and there's that group of people who are all quoting it, and they're all quoting it in pubs with huge drinks. And you realize... With movies like Sid and Nancy, like this, like Leaving Las Vegas, there's an ideal or they're an idol, or like pff, they're idols to people. Yeah, they they're people. People, it's almost like people miss the point, you know, big time. Because it's like I if you if you with... watch with Nail and I, and I get it, dude. Like both of these people are this this movie is like iconic shot after iconic shot and loaded with quotable lines top to bottom. But if you watch with Nail and I, and your takeaway is like, God, I wish I was a really sad alcoholic, right? Like, you fucking watched mm-hmm. the wrong movie. I can see watching this movie really young and being like, like, oh, look at how look, look at how there's these zany adventures and wouldn't it be fun to be fucked up mm-hmm. like this all the time? But, and you just, I guess if you watch the movie that way, you just kind of gloss with Nail in the Rain, walking away, you know, like in the mm-hmm. pouring rain with no friends. You, you missed the left. tragedy. Yeah. A lot of people focus on... Oh, man, I wish I'd seen that 60 hours before the film starts and right. what they were doing. <laughs> like, you know, just locked in that house for 60 <laughs> just hours. Just a bunch of drugs. How when, much drugs? When the getting. bottles were full. Right, yeah. you know? And I, I like that they do But don't. at the end of the day, he's giving an amazing monologue to a wolf behind a cage, a uh, wolf in a cage. So, like, that's... Well, I, the movie the movie shows you what the end of that road looks like. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And it looks like you alone in the rain. Yeah. Like... I mean, the the last word he says to Marwood. Let, we'll talk about the end. We're going to talk about the whole movie. So when at the end, when they're in, standing in the rain, and Marwood Marwood looks up at me and goes, "I will miss you," mm-hmm. and he looks down at at Marwood and he says, "I will miss you too." And then the last thing he says to him is "chin chin," and he takes a drink. He doesn't even end on goodbye. No. He ends on Cheers. a drink. Yeah. yeah.